Thank you, Kelly and Tom and Heather. Good morning and welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here. And we are a church that exists to love God and to build disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world uh, through our service to the world at large. We have worshipped through gathering, just the very act of our coming together and submitting to one another and submitting to the, the proclamation of God's word is, a, is a, a basic act of worship. We've also worshipped uh, through singing. This fine group of folks led us in song, and, uh, and we sang together. And it's a good way to kind of get in the rhythm uh, with one another um, and also to kind of come around some, some common ideas. We also have worshipped through the givings of our tithes and our offerings. And if, in a little while, we're going to worship uh, through listening to the proclamation of God's Word. And it's during this part of our service that we worship through communion. This is the sacred meal that is celebrated uh, throughout the Christian church and has been th- celebrated throughout the history of that church. And it's, it's a very unique meal. It isn't anything that is uh, especially high in nutritional value uh, or caloric intake. You will see that there are some small cups of juice and some even smaller crackers. And uh, so when we say that this is a meal, this kind of wakes us up to this upside-down kingdom into which Jesus is calling us. And, uh, and we see that it, it's, it's a different kind of bread, isn't it? It's a different kind of meal. It's a different kind of nourishment. And, and historically what this has been is this has been, uh, this is the table around which the community gathers. This common meal, Heather alluded to this, this familial idea, this family notion. And I know that we've got... I'm, I'm aware enough that in a group of this size, some of us have had some really great family experiences, some of us had some pretty negative ones, um, and so sometimes that idea of, of family is really weird, and, but this communion thing, this is a redemptive time, and historically what Jesus had done was, he's hanging out, and we'll read more about this in a little bit, but he's hanging out with his friends, and it's the last time that they, they get together, and he, take, he took what had been a traditional and kind of uh, forgotten about meal, and he breathes new life into it. And the people had, had misunderstood what it was all about to, to live with and, and for Christ. And so he leaves them this meal as an exemplification or a, an example, a, a way to show them, hey, here's a metaphor on how we're going to do this. And so the way that we practice communion here is we celebrate open communion. So if you are a member of this church or if you are not a member of this church, as long as you're a member of Christ Church, if you are following Jesus, you're invited to come to the table. And so what we do is we're going to take a few moments in silence to reflect on who God is, how he's made us, who he's called us to be. We're going to reflect for a while on Jesus, on his life, what, as, as what we know of it, and, and what he did, how he lived. And we're going to reflect a little while on the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit is, is saying to us, how the Holy Spirit is working in our life, what we're being called to. And as you're ready, uh, we're going to linger in this. There's no set time, but we're just going to spend some time in silence. And as you're ready, come on forward. We have elements set up to your right and to your left. Grab those elements, bring them back to your seat. I'll read some words from Scripture, and, and then we'll go from there. We notice that we have people of all ages here, and some ages make more noise than others. And that is okay. And so during this time of silence, if, if there's you know, kids and they're, you know, they're making some noise, that is okay. We're going to 
will be just fine. So uh, parents, you need not feel embarrassed uh, if you or your child make some noise during this time. Uh, So I'll pray for us and we'll enter into that time of silence. And as you're ready, come on forward. And when all have gathered, then we will partake of the meal together. So Lord, we thank you for this time to be able to gather together, to be united with your people by your word for your purposes. And Jesus, we thank you for the institution of this meal, the example that you've given us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that during this time you would quiet down our minds and quiet down our hearts and wake them up and focus them on you. Help us to hear what you may be saying saying to us. That we might be able to worship you well with all of our life. And so the last time that Jesus was together with his, his friends, his, these folks that he'd been walking around the world with for a few years, they gathered together for this, this meal, and he takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he blesses it. And he offers it to them, and he says, Take, eat, this is my body. And like good meals tend to do, this one wore on, and it, it came time to take the cup. And we had given thanks He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness and for your invitation to follow you. We know that it is by your work that we're able to do this. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some uh, blue buckets that will come around. You can feel free to drop these cups in there. We'll get rid of those for you. Now, most of the time during the service, this is the point at which the scripture readers come up. But um, kids, do you know of anything that's kind of, I don't know, kind of big coming up this next week? So we got, I mean, your parents, some of your, some of your parents are going to have to go to work tomorrow. Some of your parents will maybe get the day off. What happens on Tuesday? School starts, doesn't it? Right, and that's, like, that's a big thing because that's, I mean, so... Like, you're going to go and you're going to learn stuff. You're going to hang out with some, some teachers, some aides. And, and are you going to do stuff like gym class? Is that, is that so pretty fun? Is gym fun? Maybe? Some not so much? Okay, fine. They're really into science and, uh, and reading. We like that. That's great. Um, and so we realize that there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate and talk about various education, education systems, but one thing that's, that's really cool and, uh, is it's a really great way to serve in our community, and, and we recognize that, um, and we just want to take a few moments at this point, so if you do anything with kids, like, it is a daunting task. I mean, if you, if you can think back to when you were in school yourself. Uh, some of us were little rugrats and kind of tough to be around when we were in school, and some of us were, were really good and, and pleasant to be around. Uh, but it, nonetheless, if you are working with kids, it's work, right? And so uh, if you work with kids at all, uh, we would like to pray for you, and we would also love, if you are willing, uh, we'd love to have you all come up here on stage, and I would just like to have you say, what you just introduce yourself and say what you do with kids. So if you if you help out in the nursery here, uh, would like you to, to come on up, and if you're willing, uh, if you help out in a school, if you are a coach in any capacity, if you direct 
in any capacity. So if you do anything with kids, we recognize that this is kind of marks the beginning of a season where you will be really slugging it out and doing some very important work for the kingdom of God. So like I said, if you're involved in any of those, in any of those capacities, come on up here and we'll just kind of congregate here. I want to just get your, just want to introduce yourselves to the congregation, say what you do. I'm going to pray over you and, uh, and you can head back down. So relatively painless. You're going to get prayed for uh, and tell us your name. It'll be neat. Come on up here. So yeah, there's a, a bunch of people that like to hang out with kids, including my daughter trying to rip my microphone off. Crafty, crafty, crafty three-month-old. Just have you all come over to the microphone here, and then just want you to say uh, what your name is and in what capacity you work with kids. I'm Megan Gary, and I help out with the nursery here. Lonnie Smith, and I help uh, teach Sunday school. I'm Rachel Kahn, and I do all of those things. (laughs) Sandy Cobinson, and um, I will be helping with the new grade, which will be four-year-olds through first grade next week, I believe. We're going to start that, so we'll be in the little room, so... Scott Hoffman and uh, second through fourth graders. I'm Jewel Hoffman and I teach Sunday school. I'm Ginger Steiner. I teach kindergarten. I'm Katie Annan. I'm the building nurse at Forest View Middle School. Chantal Leonard and I'm a elementary education teacher. Nick Heron, Sunday school. I'm Lily Wagner, and also representing my husband, Gacy Wagner. I help in the nursery, and we both are mental health therapists, so we work with kids as well. I'm Mickey Feiter, and I'm a parent educator in the school district for early childhood. Julie Orr, nursery. I know there are a few out there that do other things as well who didn't come up, but we will pray for you. Anyway, um, what you all do is wildly important. And in a lot of capacities, those who work with and deal with children are sometimes seen as sort of a, as a, as a second-class occupation. Right? Like, oh, you just deal with the kids. But what you do is you raise up a generation. You're taking the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the history of of, of what we've learned, and you're passing that on, and that's very important. And we see throughout the scriptures the way that, that Jesus is constantly drawing people to him and, and upholding this childlike. And so you get to be a part of fostering and nurturing that. And that is very, very cool. And we thank you for that. And so, Lord, we thank you for these people and for the work that they do. We know that it is not a second-class occupation. That is something that you were primarily concerned with. Lord, we pray that we would all have faith like the children that these folks work with. We pray that you would bless them in their ministry and their service to you.
Amen. At this time, we'll have Seth and Katie come on up and read the words from Scripture. We'll be in Matthew chapter 15 and 16. If you have a Bible, feel free to pull that out. We will be there. If you do not have a paper Bible with you, feel free to take out your mobile device and tap, swipe, slide, do whatever you need to do to find Matthew 15 and 16 in there. If neither of those options are available or preferable to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard, you, when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. 
And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to, to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so, so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it for you, Lord, from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, 
and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Seth. And thank you, Lord, for your word and the way that it's been preserved through time and that we're able to read it and discuss it and gather around it without fear of uh, persecution. Amen. Okay, kids, you all have done a really great job this morning. Is there, now, this is that time, right? Yeah. yeah? What, are, what are we going to do? Are you going to go out that door and go hang out with folks like Rachel, and I think Megan's going to be back there, and some other folks? That's what's going to happen right now? Okay. If you are little, feel free to head on out that direction. And there is a whole grip of kids back there, and so, Lord, we, we thank you for Rachel and for Megan and for those who serve back there. Lord, we've said it before, and we'll continue to say it again, and so we're blue in the face that watching over your kids is not a second-class occupation, and it's something we take seriously, and we pray, Lord, that we would be uh, adults who walk in, in maturity of faith and in good examples of what it is to follow you. Amen. Okay, so if... Uh, just a little review. Last week we were over with Dean and Cassie and the rest of the Awakening Hope crew. And uh, so thanks to those of you who joined us over there and for those of you that did other things. We hope that it was great for you as well. Um, so we've been going through Matthew and talking about the kingdom. And, and uh, we are just come out of this, this part where Jesus is... Bob talked to us a little bit about parables, and we see this kind of shift in Jesus' teaching where he's going to start talking about parables. And uh, or he's, he's using a few more parables, and he's gone around, he's, he's spoke with folks, he's healed throughout, throughout Jerusalem. Um, and we're going to see some, some turning points today in the way that he does ministry and to whom he does his ministry. But before we get too far into that, I want to talk about favorite things. I have some favorite things. I'm sure that you all have favorite things. Uh, if you hang around our house uh, for a while, you'll notice uh, some of the things that are, are our favorites and, and my favorite. Um, I really like things on two wheels, whether it's uh, motorcycles or bicycles. I like, uh, I like those sorts of things. I really like Megan. I, I do. I, I genuinely enjoy my wife. She's really fun to be around if you haven't got a chance to get to know her. Uh, it's worth it. She's neat. Um, and I really like food. We like to cook for people and, and eat food with other people. Does anybody else have any favorite things? I'd be curious. I'd like to write those down. Pets? Pets? All right. Flowers. Okay. What's that? Football, yes, yes, it is. It is fall. Preseason is winding down. The regular season is starting up. I'm just going to put that under the broad category of sports. Potluck, yeah, food. There we go. That's what we're talking about. Anything on the lake, so things like fishing, boating, that sort of stuff. Lake activities. I'm just going to do this. Legos. All right. I'm going to put that under the broad category of toys. Is anybody like tools? I love. We were down at the State Fair the other day, the Vitamix. I mean, a blender with a two and a half horse motor. I mean, 
Come on. Hashtag America right there. Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh, my gosh. They put some Sweet Martha's cookies in there and, like, ground it into ice cream with some, like, coffee creamer. It was delightful. Anything else? Any other favorite things? Anybody have, like, favorite people? I mean, are, do, are, maybe we're just all hermits here. Does anybody have any friends or, like, family that they like to be around or they can at least tolerate? Anybody? No. <laughs> no. Neighbors, ah, the mountains, yeah. All right. So geographic scenery, oh, perfect. Okay, so we've got some favorite things. Some things that we enjoy. And these are, these are good things. This is, I have a feeling that I'm going to kick that over. That could go funny. And one thing that, uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about this list in a little bit. Right now I want to look at a couple of the interactions that Jesus has with the people in the passage today. So first he, kind of like in what some of the kids are going to learn in, in English class this year, it's important to know, you know the characters of the story, right? So who, who do we see? We've got, we've got these elders uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, kind of the church overseers that, that Jesus is interacting with today. And, and what, is it, what kind of conversation do they have? You know, they come out and they're, they're upset with Jesus, right? So that's one of the reasons sometimes people come to Jesus because they're, they're looking for healing. And sometimes they come out because they want to they wanna do some, some theological fisticuffs. And so what are, they, what are they up to? They come out because... They're really chapped about the way that Jesus is handling their tradition, right? Um, and, they're, and they're really hung up with, with how Jesus and his disciples are living. And, and they really want the Messiah. They want to see the Messiah, but they want to see the Messiah on their terms. Okay, they've, they've kind of reduced God down into this box. And like, God, we want you to fit in this box, and we want you to, to look this certain and very particular way. But the problem is, is when we do that, we, we create God in, in our image and, and as opposed to us in his. And so they're looking for these signs and these traditions, and it's, it's one way they, where they say it's, um, you know, there's certain ways that we do things, right? And that's called a way. So uh, one, one way that I like to exercise is I like to ride my bike. That's a way of exercising, and it's the way that I prefer, but it isn't the only way. It isn't the ultimate way. There's a myriad of different ways that, that someone can exercise. But so often, it's our tendency to, to elevate that which is pleasurable to that which is ultimate, isn't it? And so we, we move, and that's kind of the, isn't that kind of where relationships break down a lot of times, or even within ourselves, various addictions happen? You know, where we take something that is a way, it becomes the way, and then it becomes the only way or the ultimate way. And we do this in church sometimes too, don't we? Where it's, you know, a way to run a program becomes the way to run a program, and then all of a sudden it becomes God's way to run a program, right? And this is what's, what's happening with these, with these folks, with these, these Pharisees and these scribes. They've, they've taken what was a good way, and they've made it God's way. 
And what was supposed to bring unity and, and closeness with God and with people has actually brought division. So the very opposite of its original intent is the outcome. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, Peter and some of the other disciples. I mean, they're, they're kind of a struggling group, right? Like, I, I really appreciate these guys. Um, they at least ask good questions. Not always of Jesus. Some, you know, today we see that they're going to ask of one another. Um, they're struggling, but they're teachable. You know, and when, when you're building a group of folks and you want to you develop leaders, I always got to look for those people that are, that are teachable and that are asking good questions. Also, one thing to pay attention to uh, when we're reading the scripture, much like, you know, who are the characters? Also, you know, we don't have any of the kids. Well, some of the kids are still in here. Is setting, is that still something that we're talking about in English class? Paying attention to the setting, what, where the story is happening? It's also important to do that here. And so as, as Katie and Seth read, two of the locations they talked about, one was Tyre and Sidon. If you were here when we talked about Matthew 11, we talked about Tyre and Sidon. And it's easy to just gloss over, oh, it's just this is town where Jesus was. Well, if you were one of Matthew's original audience, this would be putting up huge red flags for you. This would be like bright beacons in the night. This would be like theological code for like pagan land. This is where like good religion went to die. This was anything went here. It was just super sketchy. If you're into the Lion King, this is like, that is the shadowy land. You must never go there. And so this, this would have stuck out to the people like, Wait, Jesus is going to Tyre and Sidon? I thought he was supposed to come to the Israelites. What is he doing over there? Those people don't have, they have no clue what's going on. But that's where Jesus goes. And it's while he's there that he, he heals a Canaanite woman, which if the elders were still there with him, they would have really lost their mind about that. And he feeds 4,000 people with some loaves and some fish. And what he's doing is he's showing Israel and the Israelites what they were to be. So throughout this time, throughout the whole book of Matthew, there's been this, Matthew's trying to get this point across of, hey, I need you to see this. I want you to get that all this, this message that you've, you've been created to be a blessing to the world around you. You need to get that. And, and Jesus is exemplifying how that's supposed to be done. And so he says, you're going to be liberated liberators. Your salvation is not just for you, but it's for your neighbor. It's not just for your countrymen, but it's for the whole world. And he's ushering the world into him. And so I love the conversation. They're, they're, they're up here in, in pagan land, the place, you know, the shadowy area where they must never go. And they're on their way to Caesarea Philippi, which is another place that was pretty dicey. Uh, politically, it was very Roman. Culturally, it was all over the place. Religiously, anything went. Um, and, and so for Jesus to go there was, was a big deal. It was kind of like this blip, finally putting, uh, putting the, the faith of Christ on the theological map, if you will. And he's having this conversation with, with the disciples. And what did they say? Uh, you know, we got no bread. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy for us to look at at the scriptures and, and be like, God, really? No bread? Do you remember? Like 5,000 people got fed when you had like a loaf of bread. You showed up with Wonder Bread and bam, he like pulls out all the stops and everybody gets fed. Later, 4,000 people, like disciples, you were just there, like that just happened and you're walking along going, oh, what are we going to do about food? Uh, hello, Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the bread. 
And, and let's be fair. I mean, if you're Peter, right, and you, you grew up this, you know, this young Israelite man, and, and as you're growing up, you've, you've heard the Old Testament stories and all these prophecies about how there was this guy named Moses, and there was this other guy named Noah, and there's a guy named Abraham, and they all had, God made these special covenants, these special arrangements with them, and, and, and you, you knew that there was a blessing that was going to come down. You didn't really understand entirely what that was, but you knew that it was really important. And then you heard about this guy, David, and, and you went, gosh, yeah, I remember, like, I heard about his kingdom. That sounded pretty cool. And his son Solomon, I mean, that was pretty awesome. And we've heard that that's supposed to come back. And we're waiting for this, this Messiah to show up. And, and we've been looking at signs. And, and I know that Jesus wasn't keen on giving those to the elders, but I'm looking at the signs and I'm going, this could be the dude. This would be awesome. And so you can get why Peter would be like, yeah, I think... Yeah, this this is this is the Messiah. This is him. He's gonna he's gonna rule and he's gonna reign. And and we're in Caesarea Philippi, and it means that you know first Caesarea Philippi, and then tomorrow we're gonna march into Rome. We're gonna overthrow it all, and we're gonna get rid of all these pagan religions. And man, we're gonna righteousness is gonna reign. The kingdom of God will come down. Can you see why Peter would would maybe think that? He's thinking man's way. He's like, yeah, of course. Like if you want to grow an organization, go where the momentum is, right? And like keep that momentum going. What does Jesus say? This is where he announces to his friends that he's going to head down to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. Peter's saying, hey, this is, this is it. We're about to hit the stage. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not the way. I'm going to head down and die. But this represents this turning point, right? Jesus is focused on the Father and he's heading toward the cross. He's saying, come and follow me. And in both, both situations, both with the elders and with Peter, we see folks that have incomplete views of who the Messiah is and what the outcome is. And, when, and as we begin to hear, in, in, on one side we see um, folks that kind of have, and we see this today of, where we have kind of like the warm, fuzzy, Jesus is a good teacher. You know, Jesus is kind of like just a fun guy to hang out with, seems kind of cool, like this really kind, hippie guy. You know, and then there's others that, uh, you know, we see Jesus as this really strict, moral, like, you know, turn the tables over thing, and, and we're really bent on that tradition. But both are incomplete. And unless we have God's view of the Messiah and salvation, everything else leads to hard hearts that are hung up on a sensation rather than the cross. And so our faith in Christ must also be cross-centered. If you're a note-taker, if you're into theological language, you could write down faith, uh, Christ-centered and cross-centered. And so if it's not centered on Christ and the cross, it is not faith, it will not last, and it will not save. And so this is the sign of the church. As people that profess, as Peter did, that speak of Jesus as the Lord and those who follow Jesus and are willing to take up the cross. And so Christ has given all and he wants all of us. And now, it's not bad to have stuff, right? Like these things that we listed here, these are all good things. But these are terrible gods. 
and our hearts are idol factories. And Jesus is wanting to remove those idols from us so that we can worship him fully. And so as you look at this list, does anything on here kind of make you squirm a little bit where you're like, ooh, yeah, I, I maybe put a little more stock in that than I should? Uh, for me, it's, like, for a long time, I was, I was really big on, on friends and travel. I mean, I really like good gear. So if you spend a lot of time outdoors and doing different things, like gear becomes pretty important and pretty fun. And I remember moving to, when I moved to Colorado, I was really nervous about, you know, I, I had three different job prospects on the table, and I left to go move out in the middle of the woods and work for minimum wage on some ranch. And I got to Des Moines, and I remember just pulling over, and I was like, God, what am I doing? This makes absolutely no sense. The recession had just begun. I've got three decent job offers in my field on the table, and I'm going to go off and like, work on a ranch. I grew up in the suburbs. I have no idea. Like, I'd ridden a horse like three times in my life at a scout camp, and I'm going to go work on a ranch. Okay, yeah, that's great. What am I doing? But as I prayed, that was, I just, that was what I, I felt a piece about. As I talked to other people around me, I went, yeah, you gotta, this is it. You've got to go. And I, I spent some time out west, and as I, you know, I loved it. I, I got to work in Montana. If you've ever seen the movie A River Runs Through It, I, I lived where parts of that movie were filmed. I could ride my bike to the north entrance of Yellowstone. It was awesome. Like fly fishing, I mean, just horses, the whole deal was great. And there came this point where I had the opportunity to, to, uh, to winter in Summit County in Colorado, like Breckenridge, Vail, Keystone, that area, and, uh, and work for the ski resort, so ski for free, live right there in the resort, do that all winter, and then all summer go work up at this ranch in Montana as one of the managers, and then in the shoulder seasons, in the spring and the fall, do whatever I wanted to, right? It's just like zero expenses, just making cash and like traveling around and, and hanging out in the West. And I remember like that would be awesome, right? Like it was kind of a, a Peter sort of moment where I was like, hey, this is the next step. This is the momentum. This is where we're going. But as I prayed about it, it was like, no, I don't. This isn't going to be good long term. And what you, what you might do is you have to do some hard work and have to figure it out. And it won't be easy, but it will be good. So I moved to Bemidji. And uh, I remember getting a lot of people going, you lived in Montana and Colorado, and then you moved to northern Minnesota? Like, what's wrong with you? Well, it worked out pretty well. It, there were some struggles and some things didn't go well. Some things went well. Megan and I met. We got married. And uh, 10 months later, we moved out to Boston. And, you know, and I, like, that was pretty fun for me because I was, I was kind of itching to get back on the road. I'd been a while since I'd taken a big road trip. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let's head out to Boston. And uh, we, we packed up everything we knew, uh, left all of our friends, our family, quit our jobs. Like, it just didn't really make any sense, right? Like, we'd finally started sort of building toward this career and then abandoned and were taken off. And it was just like, man, this, is, this doesn't make any sense in the way of, of building what we think should be good. But as we, we spoke with those around us and as we prayed about it, it just seemed like that was where the Lord was leading. And then we get a little ways out of town. We pass the, the place where Megan works, and we get where we're, okay, we're, we're heading places. We're heading to Boston. Um, and if you ask me, well, Mike, how did that go for you? Well, um, my wife, if you look at our wedding photo, there's seven women standing next to Megan. And if you add up all the time that they've known one another, it adds up to over 200 years 
of like really good friendship. And they all live within about, most of them live within 20 minutes of one another. And I was now going to take a woman out of that and I was going to move her over 20 hours away to the other side of the country. Um, In our relationship, I am the crier. Megan is not. We get 20 minutes out of town and I look over and she's just got tears coming down her face and I'm going, uh... God, I, I thought I heard you saying that this is where we're supposed to go, but I'm having some real doubts right now. Because we've given up all these things, and, I, and, and I, it seems like that's what we're to do, but now I'm not so sure. And so was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. And it wasn't always a terrible amount of fun, but it was really good. And it was amazing to see the way that, that Jesus was the bread and that that Jesus was the one that brought the life. It wasn't these friends. It wasn't the stuff that we had. It wasn't the jobs. And as I look at this list, I see um, you know, positions and possessions. And neither of those things were what brought life. But it was Jesus that brought life. And it wasn't easy, but it was good. And so the Christ-centered life which is cross-centered, leads to death. And in some cases, and we'll read about it when we get into the book of Acts, and you've maybe, if you've, if you've been in church culture for a while, you may have heard of different uh, missionaries or different folks who've, who've given up their life for the faith. Yeah, physical death is a possibility. But the cross also leads to the death of anxiety, fear, worry, pride, lust, and sin. And it seems as though the cross of Christ should lead to death, but it in fact leads to life. And so we see this turning point where Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. And it's this turning point in the book of Matthew and the rest of the, of the, rest of the story we're going to see is getting closer and closer and closer to the cross. And what's your turning point? As you look at this list, or you think about your own, what's on your list? What does that turning point look like in your life? For, we should have multiple turning points, right? Like it isn't like, oh, I turned once, I gave it, there's the cross, bam, we're down, I'm out. It's cool, I did it, I arrived. This is a lifelong process and we're not to do it alone. And so when you think about these, these, these positions and these possessions, in what ways are you turning toward the cross? In what ways are you turning toward Jesus with these opportunities? Maybe you're going through a turning point right now. Who's with you on those turning points? So we look around the room and as you, you, there's folks in this church. Who's with you? And if, if you're going, gosh, I'm, I'm going through it alone, like, grab me, grab one of the elders, grab somebody here. This room is full of, of some really good folks. Like, we're not perfect. We're good folks. We'll give it a whirl. And we'll walk with you in that. You shouldn't do it alone. So will it be easy? No. It's rarely easy. But the cross is always good. This time we'll have Kelly and Heather come back up. Close us in song. 
and get some instructions about potluck. So Lord, we thank you for your cross, and it seems odd that it leads to life. Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, you would direct us in the ways that we are running from you or we should be running toward you. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to carry the cross, to do the difficult things, to give up what we want to hold near, and to follow you with reckless abandon. You gave all of you. Help us to give all of us. Amen. I usurped Mike for announcements today. <laughs> there isn't actually very many announcements. We're just going to have a potluck in the garage. That's still on, I believe, right? The grills, are they hot yet? Good. All right, we're doing a barbecue. Uh, there's going to be, hopefully, tons of food. I made a huge pot of uh, beef soup, so if you didn't bring anything, you can have some of that. And there's always sausages and hamburgers and stuff left, so make sure you guys are there for that and join us. Um, only other announcement is the 13th is game night here. We've done a few of them, and they've been wildly successful, so make sure you guys come. Mike? And uh, as we seek to accomplish the purpose of, of Communitas, of the church, to go out and build disciples of the Brandon Lakes area and around the world, um, one way we do that is, is something, sometimes just going. And so we've got a group of folks that are going to be taken off from here, led by uh, Bob and Sandy Colbinson. So I'm going to have Bob and Sandy come on up, and we're going to pray for them. They've assembled a team which comprises of like four people from Nebraska, three people from South Dakota, and a couple people from around the area here. And uh, I don't know why I gave you that. I thought maybe you'd need me to pray for you. Uh, always. Always. <laughs> so pray with me. Lord, we thank you um, that your church gathers and scatters, and we see this rhythm, and we pray that we would take part in that. And we thank you for Bob and for Sandy and their faithfulness to your call, and we pray for the people that they're going to serve um, out in South Dakota. Uh, so we pray for the group that they would um, they would honor you in their relationships with one another and that they would also demonstrate what it is to follow Christ uh, to those around them. Uh, that that would, be a, they would be a blessing to those in which they, which they encounter um, so you continue to bless them uh, through their time with one another. And so we ask for safety as they are around big fun power tools um, and enjoyment of you as they are out in your creation. Amen. So may you go out uh, as a people willing to take up the cross. Join us for potluck. Hang out, as Lonnie said. If you didn't bring anything, stay as our guests and uh, have a great week. Go in peace. <laughs>